morning. It's Tuesday, the 20th of November, 2018. Welcome back to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the only weekly podcast on autonomous cars in the world. Today, for my final episode from London, I've decided to do a special UK special edition. Two smart guys from Cambridge tackle machine learning. We look at who's testing what and where throughout the UK and... British startup 5AI aims for level 5 testing in London in 2019. All this, right now. But first, it is Tuesday, which means we've got to do a quick recap from last week's Friday poll day. Now, hopefully you're following me on Twitter by now at Autonomous Hogue. Uh, and if you did, surely you saw last week's question, which read, Would you feel safer in an autonomous vehicle that didn't have a backup human driver? It looked like a contemporary car, meaning steering wheel, pedals, etc. Or a totally novel shuttle pod sort of thing with no steering wheel, pedals, etc. And the answer choices, of course, were A, a contemporary car, or B, a shuttle pod thing. Well, the results sort of speak for themselves. If you head over to twitter.com slash autonomous you can check them out. But let's discuss them briefly because the results are actually... Not necessarily what I had in mind, but certainly what I had hoped. Um, So 21% voted for a contemporary car, and 79% of you voted for a shuttle pod thing. Now, we talked about this quite a bit in one of the segments uh, last Friday, or, yeah, last Friday. And my reasoning was as follows. I suggested, and I really hoped, that people would agree Uh, and indeed that companies will agree and realize the importance of not rolling autonomous cars out to the general public unless and until they've fully prepared something without any kind of driver input whatsoever. Now, obviously, years ago, Google, before it was Waymo, the Google Autonomous Car Project, they had these cute little uh, shuttle pod things. That's sort of where I got the idea for this. And obviously, it's very easy to read articles and, um, you know, just even imagine on your own the future in which, uh, of course, once cars are fully autonomous, obviously, there won't be a steering wheel. Uh, This goes without saying. Uh, certainly, we've already seen it in sort of uh, trains like, you know, certain airport trains. Uh, actually, here in London, I finally took the DLR line uh, just yesterday, and I uh, didn't realize that that was indeed totally autonomous. There is no uh, there is no conductor for that train line at all. Uh, there isn't even a cockpit. There's no driver controls whatsoever, at least none that I could see. Um, in any event, the, the argument that I made was that we humans are sort of programmed to recognize things that are missing when we expect them to be there. So this then can produce a somewhat unpleasant reaction. You get into a thing, you see a steering wheel, you see a place for a driver to sit in a car, and then, of course, they're not there. This would be potentially unnerving. In contrast, you get into a thing which doesn't even have any uh, controls for a driver that at least implicitly suggests that nothing can go wrong, that there is no need ever for a flesh-and-blood human to take over. And so that was kind of my reasoning and indeed my overarching kind of suggestion for why it's really, really important, I think, for companies to move in this direction. I know that um, GM's cruise automation uh, has announced that they're going to be rolling out a you know, a steering wheel lacking car, one of its Chevy Bolts, uh, sometime in 2019. I think the sooner they do that, the better. And I really genuinely believe that for Waymo to start testing um, its driverless uh, vehicles, the Chrysler Pacifica minivans in, you know, on California streets, now that they have the permit to test vehicles, 
without a human backup driver in the vehicle, I think it's a mistake to do this uh, without first of all ripping out that steering wheel. Anyway, it appears that most of you tend to agree with this. Again, 79% of you uh, voted for shuttle pod thing. Only 21% voted for a contemporary car. So, um, yeah, well, there you have it. Anyway, we should dive in and get started. But first, just a quick friendly reminder that, you know, for those of you who do listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, uh, please be sure to leave a five-star rating. This really helps me a lot. gives a lot of credibility to the show. Obviously, to everyone who has already left a rating, thank you so much indeed. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. All right, so to kick things off, we're going to take a look at Wave, spelled W-A-Y-V-E. So Wave has been founded by two rather smart guys. They are machine learning PhDs from the University of Cambridge, Amar Shaw and Alex Kendall. So Wave is taking a rather different approach to the whole autonomous car thing. Um, let's take a step back, first of all, though, and re-examine the difference in design philosophies as between, say, Waymo and Tesla. And when I say design philosophies, I am, of course, referring to the ways in which these two companies are enabling their vehicles to see the world around them. So, of course, Tesla famously refusing to adopt LiDAR technology. This, of course, the really it's kind of the, the, the status quo, the state of the art, arguably, for all autonomous car systems around the world. Uh, but Elon Musk, of course, saying that he just doesn't see the point that, in fact, you know, computer vision cameras are evolving at such a fast rate that eventually LiDAR will be simply obsolete and totally unnecessary. And in any event, uh, computer vision cameras are always going to be far cheaper. So if that's an example of one sort of sort of uh, philosophical difference, as it were, towards how to design a car, well, here's a different one. Uh, consider this. A brute force method rather than, say, elegant learning. Um, and that's what Wave is all about. So the, the, the argument goes something like this. Pretty much all the other car manufacturers out there, and I'm totally generalizing here, but just to kind of arrive at the point, uh, they tend to effectively add more and more sophisticated sensors, LiDAR, radar, sonar, you name it, in an effort to really just kind of brute force the world around in terms of seeing and then applying to that visual data a set of rules. So, for instance, if you see a pedestrian, stop. If you see a red light, stop, and so on and so forth. Um, the idea with Wave, though, and they're taking a rather different approach here, they're saying, look, it isn't just about brute forcing everything. Rather, it's about teaching the vehicles how to actually understand and, crucially, how to learn from the world around. So the analogy that the, uh, that the co-founders give is something like, uh, you know, humans, right? So once we've learned how to drive, which may indeed take, say, a weekend to get roughly familiar with a car and then, say, I don't know, maybe a few weeks, a few months to get truly competent as a driver, you know, once you've accomplished that level of, of competency, then it's not like you need to relearn from scratch every time you go to a new city, uh, 
you know, you kind of get to the new city and then you sort of pick up the local customs, the flow of traffic, that sort of thing. You, and certainly navigational capability. You sort of pick that up over the next, um, you know, several minutes, maybe a few hours, and certainly with respect to navigation over a few more days. But the point is it doesn't take anywhere near as long for you to, again, teach yourself how to drive a car. Anyway, there's no real reason to explain all this in such detail. You get the point. And so Waves approach is precisely that. They're not focusing on the brute force approach. They're focusing on getting the cars to actually learn better what's going on around them. Simply put, they're not taking a rules-based approach to these things. They are taking a dynamic learning approach, to put it in simple terms. To give an analogy, um, and I realize some of you may fault me for this analogy because maybe it's a bit off, but I, I rather like it, not least of which because I get it. Um, some of you, like me, may have been into or are still into uh, flight simulators. Uh, flight simulators, of course, really complex things, and realistically in the world, at least for home PC use, there have only been sort of two leading contenders. There was Microsoft's flight simulator, which has been around, well, forever, uh, isn't any longer around apart from the kind of aftermarket community. And then, of course, there's X-Plane, which was originally developed by Austin Meyer and since has blown up into really the Microsoft Flight Simulator competitor. Thing is, they both enable you to fly aircraft, but that's kind of where the similarities end, at least insofar as how the software works. So Microsoft Flight Simulator has always used what's called a table lookup physics model. This is kind of what it sounds like. Data is dumped into essentially a giant spreadsheet which describes the flight characteristics for a given aircraft. So even if the aircraft model, the actual graphical representation, looked like a brick wall, well, if the table data suggested that this is a 747, well, then that thing is going to fly like a 747. Never mind what the model looks like. It could look, for, it could look like a marshmallow, for all I care. It's going to fly like a 747 if that's what the table data says. In contrast, X-Plane uses a technique called, well, basically models real airflow over the wings. It's called laminar flow. It's actually modeling the three-dimensional flow of the fluid of the atmosphere over the three-dimensional uh, models of the aircraft in the simulation world. Obviously, both approaches have pros and cons. The, the pro for the flight simulation table lookup model is that you just have a bunch of data in a spreadsheet, and that's the end of it. Um, the con is obviously then it doesn't have quite the flexibility, uh, it doesn't have the engineering finesse with which you can simply build a model, drop it in the simulation, and it'll fly as physics dictates. On the flip side, the X-plane approach with laminar flow, well, the downside there is unless you've got a perfectly accurate three-dimensional model, well, then the physics aren't going to be quite right. This is all kind of a roundabout way of getting to the point that I would say by analogy, this approach that Wave is taking is really more akin to the X-Plane model. They're not doing a brute force approach, which would be, which would be more like the table lookup. They're doing this sort of real-time, dynamic, learn-as-you-go approach. All right, so net net, what Wave are really doing is they're developing a set of machine learning algorithms, and they're going to presumably plug these into other automakers' autonomous cars. I don't see their technology as being mutually exclusive with the other approaches, because obviously the easy question to ask is, you know, why aren't, say, Waymo, for example, developing this approach as well? You know, why are they seemingly putting more effort into the brute force approach, all their LIDAR and sensors and radars and everything else? It seems they're not doing as much on the AI front, <clears throat> including and especially with their subsidiary uh, DeepMind, right? They could certainly be doing this. The question is, well, why aren't they? Um, 
And so as the Wave co-founder uh, and CEO, Amar Shaw, says, um, you know, the big teams are distracted by getting something working because they've got stakeholders who have been investing for a decade into autonomous driving. You know, how is Alphabet supposed to tell their shareholders, we've invested X billion into Waymo and its predecessor with a team of thousands, but we're now throwing that approach all down the drain and hiring more AI people to solve driving. It's a hard sell having spent billions and when they are close to a simple product, same reason politicians make bad long-term decisions. Their output is only short-term. Again, this is a quote from M.R. Shaw when asked the same questions uh, as quoted over at TechCrunch. So, and I think it's a perfectly valid argument, honestly. I mean, you, you can't just really expect companies, even those as large as Waymo, to just sort of toss everything out they've been working on for the last 10 years and just do a, you know, 180. So, but, but again, I, I really, I would be very surprised if this proves to be a, like I say, a mutually exclusive alternative. Um, I really do imagine this is going to be something that should be slotted in neatly with the existing uh, automakers' approaches and something really to augment the onboard brute force hardware, as it were, rather than to replace it completely. Because, yeah, I, I just to me that makes the most sense, both technologically but also from a business point of view. Anyway, obviously, uh, lots to discuss here. I hope to get more on these guys when I am able to connect with them. So it goes without saying, if you know any of the team over at Wave, please do make an intro for me. Meanwhile, I will do my best to reach out to them myself and uh, see if we can get them on the show. Hey, just a friendly reminder, if you didn't get the memo last episode, Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue is now on Facebook. Head on over to facebook.com slash Autonomous Hogue, the same handle as our Twitter account, Autonomous Hogue, uh, A-U-T-O-N-O-M-O-U-S-H-O-A-G. Like the page for episode summaries, updates, and of course, discussion, not just with your fellow listeners, but with me. Again, head on over to facebook.com slash Autonomous Hogue. See you there. All right, so this is going to be a bit of a different sort of an episode segment. Uh, it's really going to be a summary of, well, Wired Magazine's uh, summary of who's testing what and where throughout the UK. It seemed rather appropriate since I'm here now. Uh, I'm obviously not going to touch on all of these different regions. There's a lot, so I'll refer you instead to the Wired article. Again, it's titled Wired's Need-to-Know Guide to Driverless Car Testing in the UK. It does appear a bit dated, if I'm honest. Sorry about that, but... Uh, nevertheless, it's a really good resource. Uh, I do suggest you check it out and bookmark it. Kicking things off, if only because I'm here in London, uh, well, Volvo. Volvo have been testing their beautiful XC90 autonomous cars throughout London. Uh, Volvo, of course, their famous mission, Vision 2020, to ensure no deaths or serious injury in a Volvo vehicle. And also they've even claimed, uh, promised to accept all liability for any death or injury to anybody in or around a Volvo generally. So that's a pretty tall order there. Um, from Oxford, which coincidentally I just visited on Sunday, um, the University of Oxford spin out Oxbotica, if that sounds familiar, good, you're listening to the show. We talked about them a few episodes back. They had been working on hardware for a shopping delivery firm called Okado uh, to create autonomous shopping delivery systems. They've been trialing this in Greenwich. Uh, also from Oxbotica, uh, they've been working to run a large-scale uh, demo on the UK freeway between Oxford and London. They've got $9 million in funding. That's about, what, almost $12 million U.S. dollars. Uh, the idea is that by 2019, they should be able to run this test of autonomous vehicles. They are using Ford Fusions. In Coventry, very fabled land of 
well, Jaguar Land Rover, and if I'm not mistaken, Aston Martin. Well, today it's Jag Land Rover, Ford, and Tata Motors. They've been working together on a thing called Auto Drive. This is pretty interesting. Kind of sounds a lot like the frequently discussed on this show uh, vehicle-to-vehicle and vehicle-to-infrastructure that we've uh, talked about um, here in this case enabling vehicles to communicate what lies down the road ahead. Uh, Jaguar, speaking of whom, uh, they've also been testing a level four vehicle of their own. And finally, at least for this summary, Milton Keynes, a region of the UK. I didn't realize they had grid streets anywhere. Turns out that they do. And well, that makes a pretty good place for testing a geofenced and speed limited shuttle pod service. Uh, They've been doing this actually since 2017. Anyway, again, lots of different regions here to cover. I do highly recommend you head on over to wired.co.uk. Again, the name of the article is Wired's Need-to-Know Guide to Driverless Car Testing in the UK. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, just a reminder that for any links I may mention, any other articles, you can always find these links over at markhogue.com for easy reference. Anyway, to wrap things up for today, um, British startup 5AI. So 5AI is a big deal, and I'm talking about them today because, well, first of all, they raised $35 million in a Series A just last year. They're going to be rolling out 10 months' worth of autonomous car testing on the streets of London the reason they're a big deal, though, is because they're a British-born, raised, and developed autonomous car company testing on British roads. I'm sort of getting back to the first segment in which we talked about, well, Wave, right? The whole point about Wave was that they want to enable autonomous cars to really learn their environments dynamically, kind of in real time, the way humans do. Because, well, if you, for example, if you take an autonomous car that's been testing on, say, Arizona's runway-sized boulevards. I don't care how well it drives there. As soon as you drop it into, say, London, it's going to crash within seven seconds. It's just not going to work. Or, if it's well-designed, it'll just come to a stop and not go anywhere. It'll just refuse to go. It'll say, nope, I'm not going anywhere. Frankly, that was my reaction driving in Italy, where I said, no, I'm absolutely not driving. If you've ever been in Naples, specifically, it's the most scary thing I've ever experienced on four wheels. I don't ever want to do it again. It's going to be the same thing with autonomous cars. So I guess the point that I'm getting at here is this kind of goes back to why GM's cruise automation is based and doing all their testing on the streets of San Francisco. Their whole point is that if you can make an autonomous car work in San Francisco, it'll work anywhere, okay, except maybe Boston. But even as difficult as those streets are, they're still a very different thing to, you know, just about any European city. Because remember, these cities were 
based, based off of medieval villages. So the roads are completely chaotic. The signage is obviously very different. Local customs, driving styles, totally different. Again, just joking aside, look at how Naples works. Red lights are literally ignored. So the point that I'm trying to make is I think it's a very important thing indeed for cars to be developed where they're going to be driven unless and until something like Wave becomes reality, where these cars are able to learn their environments, not just brute forcing their way with all this LiDAR kit. Anyway, um, again, lots to discuss here, and I really hope that I can get in touch with somebody at the 5AI team. I certainly am keeping an eye open to see where they, you know, how they move along, and um, I'll be sure to report back when I get more. Meanwhile, that is a wrap. Not just for today, but indeed for the week, because back home in the States, it is Thanksgiving, and I'm sure those of you listening from the States will have more interesting things to do than listen to this podcast on Thanksgiving. Uh, Also, I'm doing some traveling. I should say continuing to travel. I'll be leaving London after nine days here, which, by the way, I can conclusively state now, it really is my all-time favorite city in the world. Um, So what an amazing, amazing time here. Coming up next is France. If any of you will happen to be in the Paris or Strasbourg areas and you want to meet up, do shoot me a note on LinkedIn, Twitter, or email. I'll do my best. I've got some time on my schedule, so it'll be pretty good if we can do that. Um, Other than that, what can I say? I wish you all the best. Have a wonderful week ahead. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, next week, bye-bye.